Good morning. Our senior pastor, Jared, and his family are on vacation, and so I have been asked to uh, fill in for him once again. I'd like to uh, remind you that uh, on uh, the evening of tonight, uh, Sunday evening, uh, we will have our uh, Bible study. So if you're able to uh, go on Zoom, uh, please, please join us. We are covering the feasts of Leviticus chapter 23, and uh, we've covered two so far. We've uh, had two messages on the Passover, and we've had one message on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, tonight, we will take up the Feast of First Fruits. Uh, the Feast of First Fruits is rich in teaching us about the Lord Jesus and in telling us things concerning our Christian lives. So again, that's tonight, our Sunday evening Bible study, 6 o'clock, uh, on Zoom. Please uh, join me in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, ask you to be with us now in your kindness, in your grace. Uh, help me to remind us of important truths that uh, you want to use in our lives during this time. Uh, help, help me, Heavenly Father, to uh, explain your word in such a way that uh, our minds uh, are refreshed with uh, these truths and uh, they encourage us as we go through this challenging time. There are a number of us who are not only going through the the challenge of the virus, uh, but uh, we have other challenges in our lives as well. And so as we review uh, truths from your word, Heavenly Father, make them precious, make them effective, make them powerful, hit our lives with them all for your glory. Now please be with all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I have read that alchemy was the precursor of chemistry. And the great quest of the alchemists was to transform something common into something precious, to change ordinary metals like lead into gold. They failed in their quest. However, our God, who never fails, always changes the lead of his people's lives into gold. He always works all things for our good. The almighty alchemist takes whatever comes into our lives and makes it produce a good result. Let's consider that wonderful truth this morning using the very familiar passage in Romans chapter 8, Romans 8 verses 28 and 29 as our text. Romans 8, 
28 and 29 reads, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. From Romans 8, verses 28 and 29, we will have five points in our consideration of all things for good. Point number one is this. God works all things for our good. Point number one, all things. The opening words of Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. That is certainly tremendous, is it not? Everything that comes our way, not just a few things that come our way, not just some things that come our way, not even most things that come our way, but everything that comes our way, God takes and works for good for us. The words, all things, in Romans 8:28, I remind you, were not penned by an ivory tower theologian, a person who had been separated from real life, a person who had never been in the trenches of life. No, the Apostle Paul knew the harsh realities of life and had the scars to prove it. In his lifetime, Paul experienced loneliness, sickness, hunger, and thirst. He could catalog dangers, imprisonments, assassination attempts, scourgings. He knew what it was like to be opposed, hated, lied about, unwanted, unappreciated. He knew the pressure of concern for others. He knew heartbreak. Yet, he is the one who wrote. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. Point one, God makes all things, pleasant things, hard, difficult, painful things work for good for us. When Paul was first in Rome, he was under house arrest. And under house arrest, he was chained to a Roman soldier. And the believers in Rome were divided in reference to him. Uh, some were for him, but some were against him. In fact, some of the believers tried to make things even more difficult for him. But listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, 
about his situation. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And because of this, I rejoice. You'll remember that Paul was about the gospel. His passion was the Lord Jesus, and his passion was the gospel of the Lord Jesus. The things which happened to me have fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel, and in that I do rejoice. Point one, all things, all things, even our pains, our difficulties, our sorrows, all things, even our sins, God graciously works to our good. Point number two, for good. God works all things, point one, for good, point two. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. Listen to this quote. It is from the late Dr. D. James Kennedy, who is helping me a great deal this morning with our message. Quote, God makes it clear that whatever event comes upon us, no matter how grim, as soon as it touches our lives, the hand of God will reach down and take it captive. And God will not let go until it yields up its treasure to our soul. That is the promise of the Almighty. End quote. One of my favorite stories, a story that I have told a number of times, uh, involves a man by the name of William Cooper. William Cooper was a Christian man, and he was a great hymn writer. Cooper, of course, was not always a Christian. And at one point in his non-Christian days, his life was in shambles. And he was so filled with despair that he decided that he was going to end his life. He swallowed poison, but the poison did not kill him. It only made him terribly sick. Not to give up, Cooper bought a gun and tried to shoot himself, but the gun did not go off. He threw the gun away and then got a rope and tried to hang himself. The rope broke. In utter desperation, Cooper hired a carriage in London. He lived in the 18th century from 1731 to 1800. He, he hired a carriage in London and instructed the driver to take him to the Thames River. He planned to jump in and drown. 
but the driver could not find the Thames. The fog had settled in so thickly that even a London cabbie got lost. Cooper went back to his room. His eyes fell upon a Bible. And because of his great despair, he opened it and he began to read it. The Bible told him of a God who loved him, of a God who loved William Cooper and who works all things for good for those who were called according to his purpose. Cooper, that day, embraced Jesus Christ as his Savior from sin and as the Lord of his life. And what started out as a time of despair for William Cooper ended with him believing in the Lord Jesus and becoming a child of God. Point two, for good. God works, point one, all things. Point two, for good. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4, and then verses 8 through 10. Before we leave our second point, let's see from 2 Corinthians 1, Two ways God uses adversity for good for his people. Two ways God uses adversity for good for his people. First, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Use one, God uses troubles and sorrows to make us compassionate, understanding, helpful people. Verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. Dr. Kennedy tells of a lady who had a two-year-old boy who climbed over a fence, fell into a boat canal, and drowned. Her church was small, and so almost everyone in the church came to visit the woman. The grief-stricken mother later told her pastor that while she appreciated the outpouring of concern, the presence of three people had comforted her the most. Three other mothers who had also lost young children. Tears equip us for the ministry of sympathy. And then second use, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 
through 10. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope. Use number two, troubles and sorrows draw us closer to our heavenly Father. Verse 9, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Verse 10, on him we have set our hope. A man was sitting on a train and noticed a little girl about six years old. She was uh, running up and down the aisle, making friends with everyone, laughing, having a wonderful time. Try as he might, he couldn't tell which of the other passengers on the train she belonged to. Suddenly, the train whistle let out a great shriek, and the train roared into a pitch-dark tunnel. When it came out the other side, there was the little girl cuddled up in the lap of her mother. Troubles and difficulties are used by God to remind us to whom we belong and to draw us closer to him. Point one, all things. Point two, for good. My friends, be thankful to God for the truths of which we are being reminded this morning. Be thankful to God for these tremendous blessings of him. And be an optimist as you go through your days. Be an optimist all things for good. William Cooper, in one of his hymns, wrote these words. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. The third point I'd like us to to review, uh, to go over, to be reminded of this morning is all things for good is a blessing reserved for God's children. What we are covering this morning is not the case for everyone. Point three, all things for good for those who love God. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, 
who have been called, effectually called, according to his purpose. Drop, drop your eyes on Romans 8.28. Notice in that verse that Paul does not say that all things will work for the good of everyone. There is a maxim, part of the wisdom of this world, which says, everything works out for the best for everyone. Behind every dark cloud, there is a silver lining for everyone. God's word in Romans 8.28 does not teach that. Indeed, everything does not work out for the best for unbelieving people. Everything did not work out for the best for Cain in the book of Genesis, for Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis, for Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, for Achan in the book of Joshua, Everything did not work out for the best for Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and King Saul, and Goliath in 1 Samuel, for Haman in Esther, for Judas in the Gospels, for King Herod in the book of Acts. People who live apart from God, who push God aside, who push God away, people who live ungodly lives and who do not love the Lord Jesus, do not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, sooner or later have their lives filled with the temporal judgments of God and they go on to plunge headlong into hell from which no one ever returns. That is not experiencing the good. Our Westminster Shorter Catechism says this in reference to uh, answering question number 19. Those who are apart from Jesus Christ are not in, quote, communion with God. Rather, they are under his wrath and curse, and so made liable to all the miseries of this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. End quote. However, to those who love the Lord God, to those who love and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to those whom God has chosen, effectually called, and made part of his forever family, God graciously works everything together for good. This wonderful blessing of God is for his people. This wonderful blessing of God is for his people. We can use the story of the wise and foolish builders of Matthew 7 as an illustration of our third point. In Matthew 7, 
verses 24 through 27, Jesus tells the story of two men. The first one is one who hears the words of Jesus and embraces them. Let's say the first one is one who loves the words of and the person of the Lord Jesus. Jesus tells us that when the rain came in that man's life and the storms rose and the, and the winds blew, that man stood strong in life. He did not fall. I think we can also say he grew and profited from the experiences. But the other man, says Jesus, is one who does not embrace his words. The second one is one who does not care for the Lord Jesus. And Jesus tells us that when the rain came in his life and the storms rose and the winds blew, he fell. He collapsed with a great crash. All things for good for those who belong to, who love the Lord God. Do you belong to the Lord God through faith in the Lord Jesus as your Savior from sin and as the Lord of your life? Through him, do you belong to the Lord God? Point four. The good that Romans 8.28 is referring to is being conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. We go to Romans 8.29 to see this. After we read, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, we go on to have these words in verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. I don't know what has been going through your mind this morning as you have been hearing about all things for good for those who love God. Perhaps you have thought that the good is that which would improve your earthly prosperity or that which would fulfill your earthly dreams and desires. But God is promising something that is far greater and far more important than earthly, temporal, fleeting advancement or satisfaction. He is talking about our spiritual good, our growth in grace, our eternal well-being. He is saying to us, I will take all the things that come to you and I will sanctify them to your spiritual advancement. In all situations, I won't waste one. I will work for your good, the good of being more and more conformed 
to my son, Jesus Christ. Last Sunday morning, at the end of uh, the uh, worship service, we were to sing the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. Stanza three of that hymn is as follows. When through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. For I will be with you, your troubles to bless and sanctify to you. Sanctify, make holy, bring in holiness and sanctify to you your deepest distress. Dr. Kennedy tells of a man who sang in his church. The man had been in a plane crash and had suffered burns over most of his body. Yet Dr. Kennedy said, I will always remember when he sang, Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. The crash, the burns, were used by God to intensify that man's love for Jesus Christ. It was good for growth in grace. It was good for spiritual advancement, spiritual character. That's what Romans 8, 28 and 29 is saying to us. Becoming more like the Lord Jesus. Are you disappointed with that? Are you disappointed that uh, the good is not more possessions for you? Uh, more of the world for you? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? To know the Lord, to be known by the Lord, to fellowship with the Lord God, to be fashioned into the image of Jesus Christ, they are what life is all about. And that is the promise of Romans 8, 28 and 29. Our last point this morning is a question. Do you know? Do you know what we have been covering today? Do you know in your mind? Do you know in your heart? Do you know in your life all things for good, for those who love God, the good being being conformed to the likeness of the Lord Jesus. Would you like to know this truth? Ask the Lord Jesus to work on your heart, to take over your heart, to take over your life and enable you to turn to him and trust in him as your savior from sin and as 
the Lord of your life. Ask the Lord Jesus to work and to take you to himself and to the Father. Romans 8, 28 and 29 starts off with the words, and we know. This wonderful passage can be known, can be possessed, can be experienced in our lives. Ask the Lord Jesus to take over your life and be your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what we have just been reminded of today. Help us to remember what we have heard, but not just remember it in our minds. Help us with our lives to clutch what we have heard, to embrace what we have heard, to profit from what we have heard. Oh, Heavenly Father, so work that we are people who are going through our days the days of this virus, etc., for your glory, with a peace that passes understanding. And, oh, Heavenly Father, we pray again for those who might be listening, watching, for family members, for friends who uh, do not know because they do not have your Son. Please work in their lives and bring them to your son and to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.